You're listening to the JTD Coaches Me podcast with your host, Joanne Tierney Daniels. Tune in as Joanne chronicles her journey from imposter to empowerment. Joanne discusses real life with real people. You'll be captivated by her guests and their stories. Regardless of whether you leave laughing or crying, one thing is certain. Each episode will make you think about life from a different perspective. Listen in, enjoying the journey as Joanne and her guests explore the best strategies to promote personal growth, find your authentic self, and live your best life. Hi, I'm Joanne Tierney Daniels, a health mindset and wellness coach and the host of the JTD Coaches Me podcast. September 11, 2021 will mark the 20th anniversary of the terrorist attacks on September 11, 2001. That day was a pivotal moment in our nation's history and had an impact across the globe. As a New Yorker, the attack on the World Trade Center hit close to home, both literally and figuratively. In honor and remembrance of the 9-11 victims, their families, and the first responders assigned to the wreckage following those attacks, I will be releasing several podcast episodes throughout the month of August, highlighting various individuals with intimate ties to the largest terrorist attack on U.S. soil. My guest today, Mark Lynch, was only one when his father, Robert Henry Lynch Jr., was killed in the South Tower of the World Trade Center on September 11th. Robert, the property manager of Two World Trade, was killed after re-entering the building to heroically try to save others. Losing a parent before you know anything about them is a double-edged sword. You have no memories to hold on to, but you're also shielded from the initial pain of their loss. No one ever gets over the loss of a parent. But there's a different component of grief when your parent was killed in the September 11th attacks. It's a public tragedy that intersects with the survivor's personal trauma. In December of 2019, I returned to the World Trade Center for the first time since the attacks. I had a meeting in the Freedom Tower. I stood peering out the windows, roaming to every side of the building, trying to imagine the thoughts going through the minds of those looking out remarkably similar windows 20 years ago. I was overcome by emotion and tears filled my eyes as I stood on that hallowed ground. The view from that vantage point is spectacular, but I imagine that was lost on the victims as I stood at those windows on 9-11. My heartache is palpable every time I'm in New York City or watch a news account or hear a story about that day. I can't imagine how those stories and the publicity affects those who have experienced 9-11 losses much more intimate than I have. I can only speculate. So let's bring Mark into the conversation to learn more about his thoughts and insight. Please join me in welcoming Mark Lynch to the podcast. Hi, Mark. Hi, Joanne. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming. First, I want to acknowledge your loss and thank you for being willing to share your story with us. And please introduce yourself and tell the listeners a little bit more about you. My name is Mark Lynch. I'm a New Jersey native. My father, Robert, was uh, killed in 9-11. He was a building manager, and he went back into the towers to try to help people get out before they came down. I was very young. You know, I'm 20 now. I'm going to be 21 soon, and I was one when 9-11 obviously happened. I really lived my whole life without my dad, but I have a great mom, great brothers, and a great sister that uh, have all been very supportive of me. That's great. Now, how did you find out about the attacks and how old were you when you heard about them? That's a great question. Really, I don't remember when I found out. One point in my mind, in my memory, sticks out. When I was in kindergarten, 
I remember on September 11th, my kindergarten teacher let me take a toy out of the toy box. And I was like, oh, cool. I get a little like rainbow colored dolphin. Like, this is great. And I knew why. I wasn't sure like how to react to that yet. I think that it really came along first and second grade when we had moments of silence and when we had, you know, lessons on that. I started to realize, oh, like this was what happened to my life. This is what is a part of my family. So it was very interesting. Everyone remembers where they were. I don't remember where I was. I was one. So I remember bits and pieces of like getting the knowledge and then it was just there. Then it was just with me. So tell me a little bit more about your mother and siblings. I and mean, grief is a very personal process. It must have looked differently for you because you were so young. How was your loss different from theirs? And what unique struggles did you face or felt during that process? Yeah, so I have three brothers and one sister, all older than me. I'm the youngest. And the two brothers who are closer in age to me we're all around the same age. There's like a six year gap between us. So they were pretty much in the same boat as I was. Maybe they remember a little bit more, but my oldest sister and my oldest brother, they were both teenagers at the time. So their experience or preteens, I guess, but their experience is much different than mine. My older brother, John, who I think you'll have on the podcast, he remembers vivid details about that day. And he remembers vivid details about his time with our dad. And, you know, I don't have any of those memories. So they're not as painful for me as they are for him. And, but at the same time, for me, I'm like, I wish I had those memories that I could hold on to. I wish I had like real memories. Cause I've seen, you know, videos and home videos of us at the beach or us at like the zoo. And those I hold on to, but to me, they're just like almost watching a movie. I wasn't physically there that I can remember. So I'm just like, oh, this is nice to see that it it did happen, but I don't remember it. I don't remember being with my father. But meanwhile, that's a blessing and a curse because my siblings, my older siblings, definitely were hit very, very hard in that initial shock and that initial impact. and. I didn't have that. I just grew up and it was how it was. I didn't have a dad, but I had a great mom. She's super supportive of me. And she had her own struggles to go through, which she, knowing that she had all those struggles and that she raised three great kids like on her own is very, I mean, it's, I idolize her for that. As a mom, I love to hear that. As a mom of three sons, I love that. And she sounds like a remarkable woman. I mean, certainly she experienced a deep level of grief herself, I'm sure. I can only imagine the fear that the 9-11 victims felt on that day. And your father put himself and fear aside and heroically re-entered the building to try to help save the lives of others. And you must be incredibly proud of him. You didn't know him personally. But please tell us a little bit more about him and what you know of him. Yeah. I mean, I know that he was a handyman. He was very into engineering, very into cars, mechanics. He worked on the elevators in the trade center. And that's what his job was as building manager. So that's how he knew how to, like, that's what 
apparently someone said that was the last thing that they saw him doing was trying to release the manual override on the elevator shafts. I mean, he was such a brave man and he was resilient and fun loving. We share a love of comic books. We share a love of like kites. And I have a lot of his old things, which is nice, especially because his interests really did overlap mine. And I feel like had I known him and had we, I grown up with him, it would have been a very fun childhood with a lot of really cool things, especially again, his auto mechanics, his comic books. We share these similarities in our interests. And I really wish that I had those opportunities to share those common memories. I like how he gave you a piece of him, even though he wasn't there. It's almost as if it was, it's hereditary, those interests. So that's certainly a nice bond and something to carry forward. It's certainly not the same and it's a different kind of grief. Was your grief ever compounded with anger? Did you ever feel resentment that he didn't walk away and that he would have been a part of your life? So I didn't even know that he went back in for a while. When I was younger, I was just like, oh, I don't know. He was probably somewhere trapped, stuck. And then I found out that he went back in in fifth grade. And I was like, why did he go back in? Like, that was a big thought that happened in my mind. He had five children at home and like really young kids. But I think that really does speak to his character that he, even though he had everything, he went back in to help people that probably also had things that they could live for, probably also had families. And although I definitely was upset for a while, that I'm not upset anymore. I'm I'm tremendously proud to say that that's like in my lineage. And I really appreciate as I've gotten older, I've appreciated that he could do that because I don't know if I could. I mean, that's scary. And It takes a very, very brave and strong man to go and do that. And it's very nice to know that he is my dad. It is. It really exemplifies the hero that he was, without a question. How did his death and the events of 9-11 shape your ideals and perspectives as a man yourself? Right. I get asked this all the time whenever I do interviews or anything like that. I got to say, like, treating people with kindness and like it's like the last time you're ever going to meet them or see them has definitely been a very big theme of my life because I do feel like things are unpredictable. And I think it's a little bit of a morbid way to think about it. But, you know, you never know when you're not going to see someone again. Even if I'm like in a fight with my mom, my siblings, my girlfriend, whatever, like, I can't leave that area still angry. I can't leave that area still having resentment because I don't know when I'm going to see them again. I think that that stems obviously from me having a tragedy early in my life that I'm like, I don't know when I'm going to see people again. This could be the last time that I ever see someone. I think definitely treating people like it is the last time that I might see them definitely is a thing that I think about because of what happened to my dad and what happened on 9-11. I also think that treating people kindness in your heart, like, I don't know how anyone could do what the terrorists did on 9-11, but even like, still, I'm just like, what happened to them that they did that? 
And like, how can I avoid treating people in that way? And I don't know if that's really a, what happened to them that they, like, did anyone be mean to them necessarily? No. I mean, it's probably that they were just people, but still in my mind, like, I'm like, no one is born that way. How can we let it get that way? So in my mind, I'm like, I can't ever treat people so they can feel hostile to me. Those are great perspectives. One, I want to go back to your first point. And I certainly don't think that that's morbid. It's enlightened. And I wish that everybody felt that way and was raised that way from the beginning. And your second point, I think that that's very generous and kind and really speaks to your character because many survivors don't feel that way. And I do in my mind, and although I certainly can't empathize with what you're going through, I do in my heart, I believe that there is some element of mental illness there. Because to be that, to just say bad people, I mean, that's depravity and such a total disregard of human life. I don't see how anybody without mental illness, and I'm certain there are evil people in the world, but I think there's such a correlation between evil and mental illness, even if it's coerced from that repeated training. So I appreciate that sentiment so much. It speaks so much about the person that you are. And I think it may be out of line for me to say, but I'm certain that both of your parents are proud of the person that you are. And September 11th has been a force of its own. In many regards, it shaped the last 20 years of America's identity. And the events of 9-11 have overshadowed your entire life. Has a piece of your identity been lost because of its magnitude and role in our history? That's a good point. I think that a piece of my identity was like gained. I think that 9-11 has become a part of my identity, whether on purpose or not. I mean, I don't freely share with people. Like, I'm not like going down the street and saying, hey, my dad died in 9-11. But (laughs) the people that I'm close to, it's definitely something that I talk about freely with them. And it is really a part of my identity, especially because of what my dad did. I mean, I want to be proud of that. I don't want to cover from it. I don't want to, by repressing that memory or those images of 9-11, I don't want to lessen my dad's legacy. So I really feel like I've let 9-11 become a part of me in a positive way. There's a great organization, Tuesday's Children, who they've been helping my family and families like my family out for 20 years now. And we give back to them all the time. We do their day of service in New York City. And I know my sister-in-law, who that's how we met from her book. She donated the proceeds of her pre-sale campaign to this great organization, Tuesday's Children, that we they've done so much for me and I really feel like it's my turn to give back to them. And that's how I feel that 9-11 has, you know, come into my identity in some way. I love when people pay it forward, even though you suffered yourself, you're, you're trying to bring some goodness into the world from that tragedy. And that's remarkable. Every September, we relive those events. We see the same graphic images and the videos are played over and over year after year. What goes through your mind on the anniversary of September 11th? And does sharing that day with the world get tiresome? It definitely does. It's definitely very, very tiring. But it's great to see that people support victims of 9-11 or they remember September 11th. I mean, I don't really know how much that 
does. I mean, it's great to see that support, but to me, like, I don't go on the internet on September 11th, mainly. If anything, I watch, like, dog videos of how dogs helped at September 11th or something like that. Because I don't want to see those images, personally. There was definitely a time that I did, and there was definitely a time where that caused me a lot of stress, anxiety, and, like, pain on that day. But instead, we just, we come together as a family, and instead of looking at all those images online, we share stories about my dad, or we have notebooks of people who wrote us letters, like family members, friends, and we go through that stuff instead of going online and checking out all of those posts that people do, which the posts are great. It's great to show support. It's great to, you know, never forget. But just personally for me, I can't go and look at those. I can't go online and and check that out. As someone from a personal level, as someone who experienced that day, and I was actually scheduled to be in a meeting there that day, but it was canceled. I was supposed to be at the World Trade Center that morning. I think that we felt so helpless and we made that vow to never forget. And I think that's really why the world does it, because we would feel as if we were dishonoring. Because in those days following, that was our mantra. That was our cry. We will never forget. And I think that that's really a large component of it. And I think that nobody really thinks about the intimate and the personal level of the victims in your realm and how it impacts you. I think that they're just trying to mm-hmm. recognize those people in their own way. And I think about that now when I started to think about what I was going to ask you today. I think about never forget and why we do it. And there are days that sometimes September 11th, you know, I'm running around with my kids and life goes on. And I think to myself, I said, I was never going to forget. I have to slow down and take a minute and try to commemorate that. So I think that that's a piece of it for the rest of the world, because we would feel this uh, sense of disloyalty. And we remember how horrific that day was and what we promised each other. And I think that every other day of the year, we don't honor that. We do forget and we don't treat each other with kindness and the vows that we made. And I wish in some regards that we did do that, carry the sentiments that you say that you carry every day. I wish everyone would do that. What would you say to your father if you had the chance to speak to him today? Ooh, what would I say? I mean, I guess I would start off with like, we're all very proud of what you did. I would also say that we all turned out great. All of my siblings, I mean, everyone's doing great stuff. Everyone's succeeded, even though we've had some challenges with only having one parent. And a lot of people only have one parent. But the public and the tragedy that was how our parent died, it was a very different experience, especially when you're sharing it with the rest of the world. I would definitely say like, we all turned out great. Everyone is fine. I would say that there's a lot of things that I would love to share with him, like some of my personal accomplishments, which it might be a little selfish, uh, but you know, you want to share your personal accomplishments with your parents. I'm graduating with my undergraduate degree in May in special education and iSTEM, which is science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. So that technology-based instruction that I'm going to be going into is definitely heavily influenced by our shared interest. So I'd love to bring that up too. 
and just all the things that I feel like we have in common. So that's one of the things that I'm really, I would love to have the opportunity to do. So I'm getting a little teary eyed from that because I'm sure you don't know this, but my son has Asperger's and I am so inspired by anyone who's a special education teacher because special education teachers have changed the course of our lives. So that's certainly something that I have great compassion for and my heart is just filled just hearing you say that because I know the difference that you're going to make in the world. And that inspires me. And I think that I can see that you're your father's son. So that's very touching to me. And I want to talk about Peyton. You mentioned your sister-in-law, Peyton, and the book that she wrote. She recently wrote a, a compilation book about the surviving children of September 11th. Tell me about that experience. And what are your hopes for the book? I know you spoke about Tuesday's children, but what was your purpose for participating in that project? Well, I love my sister-in-law, Peyton. She's great. She's very go-getter. She's very determined. And she is going through a lot right now. And especially we, I mean, we all are going through a lot right now, but she's so determined. And on top of everything that everyone's going through COVID out of work, she's not out of work, but my brother John was out of work recently. And on top of all of that, she still committed to writing this book because of what she saw mainly in my brother, John, who's very optimistic, very, he carries the mindset that's everything's going to be okay. I mean, as long as you get through something, you're going to be okay, which is a great mindset to have. And she saw that commonality between my brother, John, my family, and other people whose parents died on 9-11. And she connected that with a common theme of resilience, not resistance, (laughs) resilience. And so she wrote a book about, it's called Rise from the Ashes. It's a story of, a compilation story of interviews with 9-11 surviving children. There are so many incredible stories, so many incredible people that she interviewed. I feel lucky I got on the list, but she reached out to us and she made it very clear that she didn't want to be like monetizing our trauma because that wasn't her goal ever. It was just her goal to raise awareness to this common theme that she saw. So I felt absolutely, I don't really talk publicly that much about 9-11 or my dad, mainly because I really didn't think I had much to say. You know, I mean, I didn't really know my dad. And although 9-11 happened when I was one, I don't remember it. So It was interesting while talking to her, like all of my ideas, all of my thoughts were really coming out as I was talking to her. And I realized I have a good amount of stuff to say about this. And her book is going to be incredible. And I just feel so lucky to be a part of it. I mean, I'm sure she can tell you more, but just with my interview, I mean, I was getting teary eyed and I don't really get very emotional that much. And just her thought-provoking questions and her insight into our experiences in our lives was, it was very well thought out. And I can't wait to read it. I think she's going to be doing incredible things in the future as well as now. But yeah, so, and she's donating the proceeds to Tuesday's Children, which is an incredible organization that has supported my family and families like us for 20 years And I mean, 
not only families of 9-11 surviving children, but any terrorist, any tragedy they support. It's not just going to end at 9-11. It, it goes on to support everybody. You know, it goes on to support the victims of tragedies, which is so such an incredible organization. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I was impressed with Peyton and so honored that she asked me to share her stories. I'm very proud to be a little part of the journey. So thank you for that. And I will say that you're carrying your legacy well. That is something that I certainly want to acknowledge. So I'm going to let you go and I'm going to get to speak to Peyton and actually your brother, John. I actually will speak to them shortly as well. But is there anything that you want to share with the listeners? You're not a public persona. I usually ask at the end of an interview, how the listeners can reach out to you, but I'll respect the fact that you probably don't want the listeners to reach out to you. <laughs> but if you have any closing thoughts or I'd like to share anything else, uh, this is your opportunity to throw it out there. Yeah, I just love to thank you, Joanne, for having all of us on. I mean, we have a very small role in 9-11. I mean, there is thousands of people just like us whose family members died. But I think it's great that you are bringing some awareness to this or not even awareness, just keeping the stories. I mean, that's what really drives me is keeping the stories of people like my dad alive. And I really appreciate it a lot. Thank you. It's a pleasure and an honor. I hope to speak to you soon and I'll be reading about you in the book. And I'm going to keep in touch because you've really touched and inspired me. Thank you, Joanne. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the JTD Coaches Me podcast. You can find additional resources and information about Joanne at jtdcoachesme.com. Please make sure to subscribe to this podcast for updates and new episodes. You can also follow Joanne on social media under JTD Coaches Me. 